Abraham is, in many ways, a foundational contributor to Western cultural tradition, as well as being central to the storyline of the biblical text. In our series on foundations of Western culture, we began by looking at the background and calling of this verifiable historical figure. Any information drawn from the Bible is now largely scorned in the secular community. But to understand the roots of our modern Western society, its history, its ethical and moral principles, the content of the biblical text needs to be known. Stay tuned as we continue the story of Abraham and his children. This account has much to teach us about our past and even more about our future. In our first program of the series, Foundations of Western Culture, the person known as Abraham was introduced. We saw that he and his father Terah were called out of a city referred to as Ur of the Chaldees, and then traveled south to Haran. The seventh chapter of the book of Acts tells us Abram, as he was then called, remained in Haran until Terah died. At that point, Abram, his wife Sarai, and nephew Lot along with a large household, left at God's command to relocate several hundred miles south in what was then the land of Canaan, which was inhabited by the descendants of Noah's grandson by that name. Not long after they arrived in Canaan, the land was struck with a series of crop failures and resultant famine. To preserve their lives, the group traveled south and west to Egypt where there was food. Because of her beauty, Abram's wife was taken into Pharaoh's household. In a forerunner of the exodus from Egypt four centuries later, God sent plagues upon the house of Pharaoh to protect Sarai, and she was released unharmed. Out of fear of the God of Abram, Pharaoh expelled him and his party with great riches of livestock and servants that Pharaoh had bestowed upon him. And they returned to Canaan, where the land was once again productive. By this time, God had appeared to Abram on several occasions in the course of his journey, promising colossal wealth and the land that would be inherited by his descendants. The problem was that Abram was now in his 80s and had no children to inherit this promise. Desperately wanting a child, Sarai encouraged Abram to take her Egyptian servant Hagar as a concubine and have a child for her through Hagar. Abram was 85 years old. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. The result was the birth of a baby boy named Ishmael, a child Abram came to love. But the fact he was really her child and not Sarai's was not lost in Hagar and great tension grew between the two women. The matter was made more intense by the fact that God told Abram Ishmael would not be the child inheriting the specific blessings related earlier. When Abram was 99 and Sarah 10 years younger, God came to him and changed his name to Abraham, 
meaning father of a multitude, and Sarai's name to Sarah, meaning princess. God now asserted that within one year, Sarah would have a child by Abraham who would be the recipient of the magnificent inheritance. Despite the fact that Abraham knew producing an offspring was biologically impossible at their advanced age, he believed God's promise. Earlier, when Abram and Lot had separated ways, Lot had chosen to move to the rich grazing lands in the southern Jordan Valley. The populous area included five cities, two of which were Sodom and Gomorrah. With business acumen, Lot appreciated this ready market for the wool, meat, milk, and hides he produced. He settled in the region even though its population was living in total opposition to God, as we read in Genesis 13:13. 13, 13. Years later, Lot had grown wealthy and was a prominent figure in the area. And the Bible indicates he was trying to stay faithful to God even in a sinful environment. When God shared his intention to overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah and all the plain because of the inhabitants' sinful behavior, Abraham pleaded with God to be merciful in the hope of saving Lot and his family. His nephew was rescued by angels from the destruction of those cities, but Lot's descendants departed from God's ways over time. Abraham was both respected and feared by the residents of Canaan as he grew in wealth and power. There was trouble with an early Philistine ruler, but God protected Abraham and his household when Abimelech was captivated with Sarah's beauty and wanted to take her for a wife, even though she was near 90 years of age at this time. God was blessing Abraham because of his fierce loyalty to God. He displayed characteristics that God seeks, that of being absolutely trustworthy, obedient, and truly humble. He was also extraordinarily patient in waiting for God to do what he had promised. As we shall see in the rest of this program, the events that followed in Abraham's life were not only fulfilling the promises God made to him, but were very much a part of informing Abraham as to the future of the nation that was to come from him through his soon-to-be-born son Isaac. Nearly one-third of the biblical text is dedicated to foretelling future events. These prophecies are very important as warnings, encouragements, and evidence that the God of the Bible is indeed the only true God. Our offer this week, Prophetic Messages from History, outlines three great prophecies that foretold the future of Abraham's descendants. They were to be a witness of God's power and the results of following his way of life. The prophets tell of the blessings and power that would accrue to Abraham's progeny and also warn of the national suffering and destruction if they rejected the laws that God had given them to live by. Here is how you can order your free copy of Prophetic Messages from history. Welcome back. God had promised that Sarah would have a son by Abraham, even in advanced age. And true to his word, their son was born. He was named Isaac, or laughter, because, as Sarah explains, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Now Abraham loved both of his sons, Isaac and Ishmael. But Sarah witnessed Ishmael ridiculing Isaac at one point after they were older. So Sarah requested that Hagar and Ishmael be sent away 
Abraham was strongly opposed to this idea. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. Abraham again, even though he deeply loved Ishmael, simply obeyed God without question. God promised Abraham that he would look after Hagar and Ishmael, and Abraham accepted that as fact, which of course was the right thing to do. One thing to note in the story of Abraham is that he was not a Bedouin. He was a Chaldean, and he was dressed as a Chaldean. He was a very wealthy and powerful man. By this time, his household would have had thousands of staff. As we saw at the time Abraham defeated the five kings that attacked Sodom, he had his own private army. Even the surrounding peoples, while they respected Abraham, also feared his power and wealth. An example is given when the king of the Philistines sought a treaty with him. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Too often, Bible storybooks and Hollywood films give the impression that Abraham and later his descendants were poor shepherds throughout their generations. Rather, they were often wealthy, educated, technically skilled, and powerful at different stages of their history, unless they were being disobedient and suffering the consequences. We'll discuss more about that later. Likely, the most remembered and traumatic incident in the life of Isaac, and also that of Abraham, occurred when God gave Abraham an unexpected and seemingly out-of-character command. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. The horror that must have come over Abraham when he heard these words would have been indescribable. He would have known from God's laws that human sacrifice was an abomination to God. Yet in the next verse, we simply read of Abraham's compliance. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Why would Abraham comply with such a command? The book of Hebrews gives us an answer to this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, 
from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham believed God when he had told him he would have a multitude of descendants through Isaac. Therefore, Abraham reasoned that if he obeyed God, this God would immediately raise Isaac up again to continue the promise. Isaac was not made aware of the matter until the very end. Abraham must have explained it to him at that time. The two were alone, and Isaac, seeing he had carried the wood for the offering, which would have been between 50 and 100 pounds, was not a small child. He was a strong young man. Josephus suggests he was 25. Other writers estimate his age between 22 and 36. The point is that Abraham, at over 120 years of age, would have struggled if Isaac had resisted, but he apparently did not. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. God saw the heart of Abraham and to an extent the heart of Isaac. And he was moved deeply at the loyalty he witnessed. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. God then made one of the most profound promises in all of Scripture, and he pronounced an unconditional blessing on Abraham and his descendants, and by extension, one that will eventually benefit all humanity. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The story of this event is in a very small way a mirror of God's love for mankind. God saw in Abraham a heart very much like his own. Many have compared Isaac's willingness once he was aware of what was happening to the willingness of Jesus to die as payment for the sins of all humanity, to prevent mankind's permanent death. In the book of Luke, we notice Christ saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. God now knew without a doubt that he could trust Abraham and even Isaac with the work he wanted to achieve through them. Despite all of their wealth and physical influence in the world, God was always first. Thus God could use them just as he can use us for good if we do the same. The Bible is full of messages to humanity in its stories, but especially in its prophecies. We have reviewed the incredible story of Abraham's act of faith, resulting in total obedience to God. God vowed to use Abraham and his family as a witness to the world and would enable them to have the numbers, the physical capacity, and the wealth to perform that witness. The story suddenly turns to Abraham's desire to ensure Isaac had a wife from among his own people. He learned that his brother Nahor had an enlarged family with children and grandchildren. About this time, Sarah, his beloved wife, died at age 127. Abraham was 137 when Sarah died, and Isaac would have been 37 years old. The lords of the Hittites felt honored to sell to Abraham a burial place for Sarah, which eventually also served for himself and other family members. Abraham was greatly respected. Hear us, my Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Abraham now sent his most trusted servant, his chief of staff, to go to Haran, to the land of Abraham's family, to take a wife for Isaac. And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Abraham sent the head of his household back north to the area of Haran, just south of his homeland of Ur, as indicated in Genesis 11:28, where his relatives were still living. The story is found in Genesis 24 and shows how God intervened and answered the servant's prayers, revealing God's choice of Rebekah, the daughter of Abraham's nephew, Bethuel. Surely the family was overjoyed to hear from Abraham and were obviously stunned by the wealth with which Abraham had been blessed. The servant gave the young lady gold bracelets that today would be worth about $14,000 plus many gifts. Rebecca was asked if she consented to leave and become Isaac's wife, which she did. Then God inspired Rebecca's family to utter a blessing, which compares remarkably well to the blessing God had earlier spoken to Abraham. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Here again is a promise of tremendous wealth, territory, influence, and power that would fall upon the descendants of Abraham and Isaac. We are told that Isaac married Rebekah when he was 40 years old. There is a brief account of another wife that Abraham took, possibly before or perhaps after Sarah's death. 
But all of the children Abraham had by Keturah and the other concubines he sent away from Isaac, all with generous gifts. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. We are told that Abraham died at an age of 175 and was buried by his two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac took over the management of the huge economic operation Abraham had in sheep and cattle, and which likely, because of the number of camels referenced, also involved participation in trade along established routes. The biblical text goes on to tell us that Isaac and Rebekah eventually, with God's help, had two sons, twins. Although they were from the same parents, they could not have been more different. The ancestors of two different peoples were developed within Rebekah, as they were born when Isaac was 60 years of age. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? And so she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took a hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Esau, of course, means hairy, a description of the boy, while Jacob means heel grabber, or one who surplants. Both Esau and Jacob, as young men, would be what we might call today difficult children. They were opposites from the beginning. Esau was a hard-working, strong individual who loved the outdoors. Jacob, on the other hand, was more of a refined fellow, likely into the management side of his father's massive enterprise. We are told that Isaac preferred Esau as a son, while Jacob was closer to Rebekah. While Isaac was a man of great faith, as was his father, his life was not without contention and trial. Yet God did appear to him and encouraged him. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Abraham had taught Isaac well. He had put God first above all else and was, according to God's testimony of him, a careful keeper of God's holy laws and statutes. In a future program in this series, we will continue looking at the lives of Isaac and Jacob to see how they were instrumental in God preparing a people for his purpose and to foretell the destiny of their descendants. To unravel the mysteries of these prophecies given to Abraham, 
please write or call or go online to receive our free offer, Prophetic Messages from History. It will explain Jeremiah's strange commission, Ezekiel's warning, and the mysterious Stone of Destiny. Join us again next week when Gerald Weston, Michael Haykoop, and I will bring you more about today's world and the truth of tomorrow's world.